Let me pray, and then we'll jump right in. Father God, uh, as we close our time together, Lord, uh, Father, we are just wanting to uh, be able to say with confidence what we just sang. That our heart will sing of no other name but Jesus. Um, So, Lord, even as we think of prayer, we just want Jesus to be the center of that, even of our prayers. And, uh, God, you have met us here this weekend, and we thank you for that. We praise you for that. But we also know, Lord, that when we leave, uh, it'll be easy for us to go back to a prayerless life. Um, So, Lord, if Jesus is the center of our heart, God, then we will talk to him. We will pray to him and we will worship him and we will follow him. So, Father, I pray that you would do the miraculous And be the center of our crowded hearts. As we look at your word, I pray that you would use your word to accomplish just that. To get us focused upon you. And we'll give you all the credit, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Um, I was looking at a passage earlier today, this morning, um, in Zephaniah. How many of you know what the book of Zephaniah is about? (laughs) Me either. Um, um, But um, a little bit. But there's a passage in there that I read this morning, and it says that God sings over us. That's a pretty cool thought to think that God sings over us. Have you ever thought about that, that God right now when you woke up this morning... He wasn't angry at you. He wasn't disappointed in you. He wasn't sort of like, oh, here comes Jared. Or, oh, no, here comes Gordon. You know, it wasn't any of that. It was, it was singing over us and rejoicing over us this morning. And, man, when we think of prayer, we can also sort of picture that. That when we come to God, that he's not sort of like this when we come to him. Like, oh, not you again. But he's actually ready to receive our prayers, ready to hear us, ready to, um, to commune with us and show us who he is. So I just thought that was pretty cool. Even as we think of prayer, when you come to him, God is rejoicing over you and delighting in you. And so we come boldly to the throne of grace. Uh, just a quick recap again. We're not, I mean, this will take 15 seconds, but uh, just so we put this sort of in summary Uh, We started out by saying the first thing, a good practice to begin is to begin practicing scripture led worship based prayer. And we did that and we said that we can be creative with that. We can add scripture. We can add singing. We can add um, silence. We you know, there's no sort of boundaries there except for as long as it's focused on the Lord. Um, So we allow that last night. uh, We need to have a time when we pray to go to God with our junk. And confess with the gospel in mind, that is, we confess some of our deepest, darkest sins, that we understand that God loves us and forgives us and that we are declared righteous and justified in his sight. Um, So 
to think that when you confess your sins that Jesus is pleased with you is a pretty awesome thought. And so I would say just go boldly to the throne of grace with all of your stuff and know that God rejoices over you even in your confession. And so you could look at it sort of those two things as uh, three G's this week. God's glory, um, God's gospel, and God's giving. And that's in your yellow book uh, booklet there. God's glory, God's gospel, and God's giving. And today we're going to look at this idea of God's giving. That is asking This is the part that maybe we feel we don't need much instruction in. But actually, this can be deceiving. There is some instruction in scriptures about asking. All right. Now, um, we are told to ask for everything. So there is a glorious invitation to come to our father and boldly ask. So let me say that first. Like there is a glorious invitation for us to come and ask. And so we do come and ask. But there are also some warnings in scripture about certain asking. So, for example, let me give you one. James 4, 3. You ask not and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Have you ever heard that, that verse? You guys recall that passage in James? It says, you ask not, you ask and do not receive. So, you're asking and you're not receiving. Why? Because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So there's this idea that we are to come boldly and and approach God with this as he gives us this glorious invitation. But there is a posture that we need to take when we go about our asking. It isn't just loose and frivolent. It is thought out and it is God-centered. So there is such a thing as asking rightly. And what we don't want to do is that scare us off from asking at all. So some of us are like, man, everything I ask really has me at the center of it. If I'm honest, Martin Luther said that everything we do, everything we do, there's a part of us in it. And unfortunately, oftentimes we are the center of it. So so some of us will be like, man, if we're not supposed to ask if it's about us, then I'm not going to ask at all. That's not what he's saying. Matter of fact, if you read that passage in James 4, it talks about unity and bickering and fighting and quarreling. And he says, this is preventing you and not not giving you the proper perspective of prayer. And you're asking for things, but really it's for all the wrong reasons. But we don't want to do what we don't want to do is not ask at all. Remember, Remember, prayer is a gift that God has given us to commune with them, but also... To act on our behalf. God wants us to ask. He wants to act on our behalf. But he wants us to take the proper um, posture. Now, things to think about before you ask. Again, by the way, if you look at the Lord's Prayer, which is Jesus' sort of uh, example for how to pray. He says, first of all, our Father who art in heaven, right? Holy is your name or hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So that's the glory of God right there. That's us focusing on him and his glory and his name. We're not asking anything. We're just saying, holy are you, God. You are God. We are not. And let your will be done and not my own. And that's how God, Jesus said to start it out. And then he says, so how's it go? Um, uh, Sorry, now I went blank on the Lord's Prayer. I've known that since I was two years old, I think. Um, So you say it with me. Go ahead. Help me. 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Wait, there's the asking. Give us this day our daily bread. That word daily in the original Greek is actually found nowhere else in the New Testament. It is an amazing word that essentially means completion. Like everything that you would need for today. Like everything that you would need for today. Ask this of God. So everything. See the glorious invitation. So there, we're going by Jesus' model. We're praising God first. But then there's a time where we ask him. We ask him for everything that we may need. And so it's, it's amazing that he said daily bread. Bread was a very common thing. It was in every household. Everybody knew how to make it. It was something that was like substantial for the diet. Like you had bread at every meal. And so he says, give us this day our daily, sort of this idea of everything we need for the day. But then he says our daily bread, our basic sort of necessities that we need today. This sort of idea of bread that it sort of will keep us and sustain us throughout the day. You know, it's a stick to your ribs type of meal, right? You know, and it's not like lettuce. It's, it's like it actually has some substance to it. You know, I need bread. I actually have a gluten allergy, so I can't eat bread anymore. And uh, I found other ways. Um, but anyway, he's saying, give us everything, come to him with everything, but have this perspective that, that today is sufficient for itself. And, and we come to him and we say, God, give us that basic essentials of everything that we need. Give us a sustaining, stick to your ribs presence in our life and sustain us for today. So we're going with this idea of asking with these parameters. It doesn't mean, though, that it limits to what we ask for. It just means that we have the proper perspective. So things to think about before asking. Number one, pray in Jesus' name. That's a simple thing that we all say towards the end of our prayers. But I would say do it in both. (laughs) It's a good reminder of why we can even come to God. It's because Christ has broken down the wall of hostility between us who were by nature children of wrath, but now are children of God. So we come to the Lord even before we praise and we say, Father, we come to you in Jesus name. Why? Because that is the access by which we have this great privilege of prayer. So I think that I'm not saying you have to. This isn't a legalistic list. I'm just saying these are principles from Scripture that aid us in our prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Number two, we need to get to know the heart of God. That is a part of prayer, is getting to know the heart of God. For example, we ask for things that we should know the answer is no. (laughs) Like, for real, if we don't know the heart of God... We will ask for things that is clearly a no. (laughs) Like, for example, I was in ministry and there was a couple in my church. And um, this was a while back. And um, come to find out, the man was married but had left his wife uh, for about five, six years. 
no divorce, no none of that, but just married and just said, I'm done. No separation, legal separation, none of that. I'm done. And so this man has this woman now. And they're together, living together, and they started coming to our church. So he's already abandoned his wife and living with another woman. And the woman is living with a man who's married. And they come in to uh, my office and they're like, Pastor, uh, please, will you pray that God will give us a bigger house? <laughs> and I'm like, he doesn't want you to live together. You know what I mean? Like, you got to know the heart of God. You got to know who God is when you ask him things. Because if not, we will ask him for the craziest stuff. For example, I remember now, man, this is going to sound crazy. And maybe I'm not the only one. There was a time in my early walk in ministry where I felt like I just needed the lottery. Now, I knew I couldn't gamble. So I literally said, well, what's a way to sort of win some money without gambling or sort of paying money into something, right? And so I thought, um, the, you, know, you know that Jim McMahon thing? Uh, I mean, or um, Publishers Clearinghouse? So I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to go and sign up for Publishers Clearinghouse. And so I, sugar will tell you, unfortunately, this was like recently, not, not within the last five years. But, but, like, let's just put it at that. But anyway, so I went, and, and, and I was sitting there, and I was justifying, Lord, if you just give me this money, I'm telling you, I will just be doing this and this and this. I will add on to our house because we need that. But anyway, other than that, and we probably do need a bigger car. But anyway, God, if you give this to me. And so I signed up, and they started bombarding me with all these emails and mail. And I was like, whoa. And then I thought, man, all I thought is I need to sign up. And then all of a sudden they were like, they started sending me these catalogs of these like as seen on TV products, which by the way, I'm a sucker for those. And so I was like, all right, well, I guess my chances are better if I start buying some stuff. And so all the while I'm praying, God, just give me the pub. I want that McMahon dude. I think he's dead now. But whoever replaced him to come with that big check and the video and the balloons and like give me this money. And I literally would pray for that. And I even brought my wife into it. She was like, all right. <laughs> you know, like, amen. Let's pray that. I mean, and I and God was like, no. And then finally. This month, I gave up on the publisher's clearing house. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Not about the pub, but this month. But we do need to get, to, when we think of praying, we need to get to know the heart of God so that we don't ask things that are just ridiculous and silly. So often when we pray, we say we have this sort of if I only had this mentality, if I only had this, Lord, then life would be so much better. If I only had this, Lord, then my life would be much more peaceful. But we must know the heart of God when we come instead of that just sort of weird, wild expectation that really only grieves the heart of God. So we pray in Jesus' name. We get to know the heart of God through his word. That's why scripture-based prayer is important. Another one is we need to understand when we pray, things to think about before we ask is this. God always answers prayers. 
Always. And there's three answers. You guys have heard this? Yes, no, and wait. So God always answers prayers. Always. Sometimes we just need to understand that sometimes his answer is straight up no. And we tend to do this like we'll be praying for stuff for eight years. God, please, I just... And he's already said no. And we keep going to them. So we need to understand that God is always going to answer the prayer. So we can come knowing that. It's no such thing as unanswered prayer. There's no such thing as that. It just means that God said no. Even Jesus, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he says, Lord, if it be your will, please take this cup. If there's any other way than this cruel death, then take it away from me. And God said no. But even before he said no, Jesus says, but not my will be done, your will be done. So we need to understand when we come to God asking that he always answers. Number, uh, another thing that we need to think about before asking is that you are heard. You're not a muffled voice among many. Like right now, it's Sunday, right? Do you know how many thousands and thousands and millions of people are praying to almighty God right now? Like, just think of that. Like, tons. And it's not like I said on Bruce Almighty where it's just sort of waking God from his sleep because he hears all these voices. Da, 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 da. Lord, I want a bike. Lord, I want a, a new job. Lord, I want a new wife or whatever it is. He's not hearing all that in sort of muffled ways. But actually, God, is a, uh, he hears us clearly and doesn't treat us as a voice among many. But when we come to him and ask, we are heard and it's not a muffled voice among many other voices, God is that big that he hears us clearly as we ask. Another thing to think about before asking is that God knows your deepest needs and desires before you even ask. Now, for some of us, I don't know, that sort of keeps us from praying. God, you already know. So we're one of those people that we're going to give it short and sweet when we pray, God. God, you know what I need? Amen. Like, that's not what prayer is. Remember, prayer is meant for more than that. But to know that God knows your deepest needs even better than you do is actually supposed to be a comfort to us where we say, Lord, I can come to you. You know my feelings. You know my hurts. You know my brokenness. You know what I believe I need. And then we ask. Because he knows better than we do, and that should bring us comfort. So we think about that as we're asking. Another thing, any time is a good time. Any time is a good time to ask. We need to understand this clear access, this open door to the Lord. We can come to him joyful. We can come to him hurting. We can come to him frustrated. We can come to him messy. You see, oftentimes when I used to pray, and I still do, I still struggle with this, is that there's a time where I come to the Lord and I feel like i got to get my spiritual ducks in a row before I actually say anything to the Lord. As if He requires me to get everything right before I talk to Him. No, the Gospel says that because of what Christ has done, I am already right when I come to Him. So I come to Him in all my sin, all my messiness, all my hurting, all my joy, all my laughter, and in any time is a good time to come to the Lord. So don't let structure 
and how we're supposed to do this prevent you from praying. I'm under the motto of Nike when it comes to prayer. Just do it, man. For real. And God will teach us. You know what I mean? Don't get so caught up that you're just like, oh, man, if I don't do this and I don't do it. Listen, go to God and let him teach you how to pray. And those things that we're doing that are grieving the heart of God or not asking properly and all these things, he'll reveal those things. But don't let that be an excuse for not praying at all. Just make sure when you come to the Lord that you're real. Any time is good, but make sure you're real. Matthew 6, 7, and 8. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So he says, don't come to me with this disingenuine spiritual sort of jargon. Come to me, really. So think about, can I, I remember when I first became a Christian, I read the King James Bible. I didn't know any better. I just, I was in prison and like they had the Gideon King James Bible. So I was like, cool, King James. So all of a sudden, that's all I started remembering about God is like the these and the thous and the thuses and the, all that stuff. And, and so for the longest time, I thought that that's how I had to pray. Like here's a dude from the hood who's fluent in Ebonics. And here I am talking to the Lord like, oh, thou greatest Lord, what must thou give us to? And I'm just sitting there thinking like, after a while, I'm like, I don't know that many is it things. And so prayer became a burden until a brother said, man, what are you talking about? Like, you don't talk like that. So why are you talking to God like that? And we think it's funny because that is pretty funny. But at the end of the day, the heart of that is when you go to God, it's not like you have to sort of have things memorized and, and all this stuff. You just go to God and you be real with him. It, just because you can say a bunch of stuff doesn't mean that it's meaningful. But actually, we go to God. You know, some of my most heartfelt prayers is help Jesus. Two words. Help Jesus. As I'm walking up to, to, to preach often, I don't, I don't know if you guys know this, but I am still very nervous after 15 years of preaching and teaching. Like I'm always very nervous and I feel so unworthy. So there's a battle every time I walk to the pulpit. I'm just like, man, Lord, I, I don't know. I'm not worthy to go there. I'm nervous. I'm going to mess your name up and, and I'm going to say something about you that isn't true. And some of the most the calming thing that always gets me when I walk up here is I say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And there's something about those few words that I know God hears. And I know he knows the, my heart. And so I say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then there's something that happens where I just know God honors that prayer. Not because it's elaborate. Not because it's sort of this sort of very high spiritual prayer. It's just real. And God tends to meet us in real Prayer. So anytime is a good time. Just make sure that it's real. And then finally, some things to think about before you ask. God wants the best for you. God wants the best for you. We don't know what is best like he does. And that's hard sometimes, isn't it? To hear that God only wants good for you. He knows what's best for you. Well, what about that last doctor's appointment? Where they told me I had cancer. 
God, is that good? <laughs> is that really good for me? You know, funny, I, I, when things happen in my life, sometimes I quote Romans 8 to God. And I'll say, you know, Romans 8.28 says, says, all things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And so I'll quote that to the Lord and I say, how is this good? I used to do that over and over again early in my Christianity. I'd sit there and even now I'm, I'm tempted to do it. But I sit there and I'd say, how is this good? God, you say you want what's best for me. But how is this good that my grandmother died prematurely? How is it good that these crazy things are happening at work? How is it that you have my best interest in mind? But you know, an interesting thing about Romans 8, 28 is that 26 and 27 come before it. And let me read that to you. Since we often, or maybe I'm the only heathen in the room, but I often throw that verse to God and be like, see, this can't be good. How is it good that Marla had stage four cancer? How is that good? How is that best for her? But when you look at this passage and that verse in light of its context, it's amazing. Here's what this says. Likewise, the spirit, verse 26 of chapter 8 of Romans. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So there is a greater prayer going on every time we pray. And it is according to the will of God. God himself, in the, uh, uh, the, God the Spirit, is interceding for you and I when we pray. He is going to God on our behalf and he knows the mind of God. He knows the will of God. So our incorrect prayers, he is correcting towards God. And then comes verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to this to his purpose. So do you see this in context now? The spirit knows what to pray for us and the spirit is interceding on our behalf according to God's will. And this is why we know that all things work out for the good because the spirit is praying for us the correct prayers and he knows the will of God for us. And that is always good. So when you put that in context, you see that even that verse is in the context of prayer, but a greater prayer. Do you understand that this morning? That when we come to God in all of our messiness, when we come to him and we begin to pray to him that the spirit of God is interceding for us. He is correcting our bad theology. He is praying in the very will of God because the spirit knows the mind of God. And therefore, we can be assured that all things are going to work out because there's a prayer that is greater even than our own. So we go to God knowing that God wants the best for us. If we ask for something that is not good for us, then God will not give it to us. I want you to think about that. 
if we ask for something that is not good for us, God is not going to give it to us. Think about those prayers that you've had that you prayed deeply. Maybe you were single and you were praying for this specific spouse. God, please give me Mary. Please give me Mary. I love her. She's amazing. I just want to marry her. This is the one. She's godly. And she, I just love her. But you married Margaret. God didn't give you that because Margaret was way better for you. I don't know if any Marys or Margarets are in here, but I just said that. But you know what I'm talking about. Or maybe that raise. Lord, God, please give me this raise. I need it. My family needs it. And then you didn't get it. But it's still what's best for you. The promotion or the particular job. Even healing from cancer. God knows what's best for us. And he, the spirit, is interceding for us even as we pray. So when we pray, we're not praying alone. We have someone who knows the mind of God and prays according to his will always. So again, we must remember, as I said this yesterday, we must understand that in order for prayer to be an enjoyable life-giving habit in our life, we must first see why God gave us prayer. Yes, we are to go to him and ask, but it is much more than that is communing with God. God is, as I said yesterday, God is much more concerned about our character than our physical comfort here on earth. Character over comfort. We don't like to hear that prayer is primarily for our communion with God. But that's the truth. Communion. God values communion over circumstances. Prayer is primarily, as I said, about getting to know a loving, gracious, powerful king who knows what is best for us better than we know what is best for us. So let's keep those in mind as we come to the Lord. And then finally, let me say this. Let me, that seems like, man, that's a lot of just craziness there. There's a lot of parameters. No, actually it's not. It's just so that we don't come to God in our self-absorbed way. So let me go over those real quick again just to say them. Uh, We pray in Jesus' name. We need to get to know the heart of the God so we don't ask things that are clearly the answer is no. We need to understand that God always answers prayers. We need to understand that we're heard. We're not a muffled voice among many other muffled voices. God knows our deepest uh, desires and needs. Anytime is a good time. Just make sure it's real. That God wants what's best for us and he knows what is best for us. We have someone who is praying with us. Now let's get to this idea of ask away. We come under those parameters and we say in light of this, I want us not to miss this glorious invitation to scripture. We are still told to come. And Andrew Murray does a beautiful thing in his book on prayer. He gives us four things when we're told to ask. Number one, be specific. Be specific. Put thought into your prayer. Andrew Murray said, let your prayer be so definite that you can say as you leave the prayer closet, I know what I have asked from the Father and I expect an answer. Be specific. Number two, be complete. 
thought out and thorough. Prayer should be a time where we actually communicate with God and we sort of talk to Him about the requests that we have. Number three, be sincere. We've already talked about that. No King James language. Number four, be simple. Eloquence is not necessary for effective praying. Is what Andrew Murray said. Eloquence is not necessary for effective praying. And then here's some very practical things as we move forward. Because we're about to just put it all together here in a second. Number one, begin your petitions by asking the Holy Spirit to help you claim only those desires that will bring honor to the Lord. What if we started our prayer like that? We've done the praising. We've done the confessing. And now we're about to ask and we say, Holy Spirit, help us to claim only those desires that will bring special honor to you, O God. Number two, make a mental list of specific needs you have for that very day and offer each need to God daily bread. So you see, it's time with God. What is it, God, that I need today? Well, God, I've been struggling with patience with my kids, in particular this one. So, Lord, today, will will you allow the rivers of living water to run through me and this fruit of the spirit to run through me so that I could practice patience and show grace to this child? You see, it's specific for that day. Today I have a coffee, um, I have a meeting over coffee with a dear brother that, that is sort of going astray. And I want to pray for that person specifically and ask God that you bless our time and make it a fruitful time. So you have this sort of specific needs for the day. Make a mental list of that and pray those things to God. There is no list that is too big as long as it is a real godly list. Number three, enlarge the petition. And what do I mean by that? Take time to explain to God why you desire an answer for that request. This may seem crazy, but this is again back to the purpose that God wants us to talk to him. So when we bring this request, say you want a promotion. Actually go to God and say, God, I, here's why I want a promotion. And I hope this honors you, but let me tell you why I want this promotion, why I would ask you to grant this. So you enlarge it. You don't just sort of sort of just say blood. You just say talk to God and say, man. God, this is why I'm praying for this. And then four, frequently examine your motives. Be certain that they are pure in the sight of God. See, one of the things about prayer that it does is that we can't put on the mask. And so when we're asking for something, we're asking, Holy Spirit, help me to know what to ask for. Expose these things in my life. When you're praying, something begins to happen where you realize in and of yourself that the very request that you have is not good. And God exposes that. And you just frequently just say, God, forget it. That was not good. You exposed that to me. I'm not even going to ask that anymore. And you know what God does? He sings over us. He rejoices and he laughs. Yes. Amen, child. Amen, daughter. Amen, son. I'm with you. So we need to, as we ask, ask away. It's an abundant invitation. But let's just make sure it's not about structure. It's about posture. Posture. 
How are we coming to the Lord? God always honors a humble and contrite heart. He always lifts us up and gives us what we need when we come to Him in that posture. And even if we are jacked up, to confess that to Him and say, Lord, cleanse me, He is ready to do all those things. So, in closing, let's practice all we have learned. Starting with Scripture-led, worship-based prayer. We're going to just sort of end this time just doing that. We're going to confess in light of the Gospel. We're going to have a little time of confession. And then also the asking part. Pastor Calvin did a ministry, I mean a a sermon lately, where he says there's no ask too big. Right? You guys remember that? No ask too big. So Pastor uh, Calvin and, and others are going to hand out just sort of this little card. This little, actually not card, I'm not that fancy. Just a piece of... Uh, paper that's been cut in fours, not even cut, torn in fours. Oh, never mind. We have much more better. See, all that work I did, Nancy, I actually, actually I tore the, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I want you to put two requests on there. Don't put your name. Don't put the names of the people you're praying for. Just two really big requests. Write them down. Fold it up. There's going to be a come a time where we're going to have a symbolic sort of, hey, God, I'm asking you right now. And we sort of, you guys did this sort of with Calvin. So I want you to write this down because this is part of praying. Asking the God of all glory to do amazing things for your joy and the glory of his name. So ask something crazy, something big, like ask But I think what's going to happen is if we go through this sort of, I guess you could call it a method of prayer, is that we're going to start with Scripture. I'm going to read a psalm together. Uh, Pastor Tim is going to sort of uh, just begin to play. We're going to sing a chorus to help us worship God first. Scripture-based, worship-based prayer. This is what we're doing. Remember, we're praying. And the idea is that when you go back home, you can do this. You can start out with a song unto the Lord. God loves your voice. Some of you are like, you ain't heard me sing. No, God loves your voice as long as it's real. He doesn't care if you're on tune. He just cares that your heart is in tune with him. And then all of a sudden you begin to praise God and you open up your scriptures. Here's a point. Get get familiar with the Psalms. One of the greatest things of my week was just sitting in that session with Pam. And man, she just prayed scripture the whole time. And like, so I just knew that it was from the Lord, this prayer, because she was praying God's word to him. And that was just so enriching. And I learned so much from her, just hearing her do that in a group setting. So when you go back home, do this. Turn on your favorite worship song. Or sing just a simple chorus like our God is an awesome God. Lift your voice into the Lord. Get out your Bible. Start reading to him and start prayer like that, like we're about to do. And then there'll be a time where you just need to confess your junk. But don't confess without the gospel in mind that you are righteous in the sight of God, that you are not guilty In the sight of God. That even on your worst day. God's love for you has not changed. Even on your best day. God's love for you has not changed. It is always the same. And it is boundless. And and, and just amazing and unconditional. 
So we confess in light of the gospel. So here's a practical thing. Lord, forgive me for doing this in your sight, willfully and knowingly against you. But then in the next breath, thank you that Jesus, you died for that very sin. And that's how we begin to confess. And then finally, we start to ask boldly. Asking God to guide us in our asking, making sure that our heart is lined up with his. But man, we ask and we ask boldly before God. So let's let's do that now. Pastor Tim, is he here? Here, We're going to I'm going to start reading Psalm 116. We're going to close our time by sort of just doing what we've been talking about the last two days. So I'm going to read this psalm which is a prayer unto the Lord. We're starting with praise. Pastor Tim is going to lead us after that, just in a time of praising God, just whatever he, uh, the Lord lays on his heart. We're just going to sing it as a prayer unto the Lord and realize that the Lord is rejoicing and delighting over this room right now. He is here. He is present and he is singing over us. He is not angry at us. He's not going to throw a lightning bolt at us. He is. He knows us at the very depths of our hearts, yet he loves us the same. And then we're going to spend some time after that just in silence confessing to the Lord. And then after that, we're going to write down that huge prayer. We're going to write it down, two of them. No names. God knows. You don't even need to name the people if that's your prayer that you're praying for. Just put it down there. Fold it up. And then we're going to have a symbolic sort of, we're going to give it over to the Lord. Because he is good and he wants to answer us. And he wants to give us good things as our father. So let me start us out in our prayer. Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he has inclined his ear to us. Therefore, we will call on him as long as we live. The snares of death and life, they encompass me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffer distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm praying, deliver my soul. And gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. (laughs) When I was brought low and you were brought low, he saved us. Return, oh, my soul to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with us. For you, O God, have delivered our soul from death. My eyes from tears, our feet from stumbling. We will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed and you believed. And even when we spoke, I am greatly afflicted, Lord. We are hurting, Lord. And we said in our alarm, all mankind are liars. This is all crazy, God. But what shall we render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. We will pay our vows to the Lord in the presence of all of his people. Precious In the sight of the Lord is the death even of his saints. 
Oh, Lord, I am your servant. We are your servants. We are your servants. You have loosed our chains. You have loosed our bonds. And we will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And we will call on the name of the Lord. We will pay our vows to the Lord in the presence of all of his people, in the courts of courts of the house of the Lord, in the midst of Jerusalem. Praise be to God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Father, we love to pray like this. We love to put you first in our prayers. We love to request that you be lifted high in our life and not ourselves. We love to say that we desire for you to be lifted high in our world. And even in our love, we, we want you to be the name that people run to, not to us. And we love to say in our prayer, as we are singing prayer, we love to say that our heart has no other allegiance but you, Jesus. Father, it is all about you. You are worthy of this time. You are worthy of this space. You are worthy of our deep thoughts. You're worthy that we would think hard about who you are. You're worthy of our energy. You're worthy of, of, of just all of our time and our life and, and, and everything. Lord, you are worthy. This is what it means to pray to you, God. To declare, as we said yesterday, that you are God and we are not. Father, we know our place right now. And it's not, it's not where you're at. You are high and lifted up. And so, Father, we're going to, even as Pastor Tim continues just to play, we're going to, we're going to, we've, we've lifted you up, Lord. Now we want to confess what you already know. It's not like anything is hidden from you. There are no sort of dark corners of our hearts that your light doesn't expose. So, Father, as we hear the music, Father, we want to confess. We want to be honest and real with you. We want to confess things like idolatry. That we have put many false gods, lowercase g gods before you. We want to confess those deep, dark, ugly sins that no one knows about but you. And why, God? Because of what Christ has done. That ugly sin of whether it's pornography or lust or greed or anger. 
Father, those things, those very things that we're ashamed of, Christ has paid for those. We don't have to doubt as we confess that those sins aren't covered under the blood of Christ. Even as we confess, Lord, we rejoice that you look at us as holy, perfect, righteous sons and daughters of God. So in, in, in that light, Lord, we spend this time confessing our sins to you and thanking you ahead of time that they are forgiven. Whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. For if we keep silent, Lord, our bones will waste away. And we will groan all the day long. Day and night, if we don't confess, your hand will be heavy upon us. Our strength will be dried up as by the heat of summer. But when we acknowledge our sin to you and when we do not cover our iniquity, when we say we will confess our sins to the Lord, then you forgive the iniquity of us all. So, Father, thank you that those horrible, shameful things that we have committed in your sight have been removed from us as far as the east is from the west. That not only have you forgiven us of our sins, you have cleansed us of this unrighteousness. And so we rejoice. In Jesus' name, amen. As Pastor Tim continues to play, um, let's get out our cards. We've extolled the Lord. We've declared that he's great. We've made it about him. We've confessed our sins to the Lord. And we've rejoiced in the beauty of the gospel. And now we want to ask. So if you could bring that card out. And uh, Pastor Tim, if you want to just play a song while we're asking. Whatever you see fit. Let's just really ask knowing that he wants to hear from us. We are not a burden to God and that God himself, the Holy Spirit, is interceding in our broken prayers. So let's spend this time asking God and let's think hard.